This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport, Mark McMahon and Blues writer Sam Cox to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, the Burton Inquest, we look back to a low on Tuesday night as Jimmy Floyd Hasselbaik did a number on Daddy Cowley. The mounting pressure as we renew acquaintances with our friends at Sunderland who are in ominous form as they come to Fratton Park. What will Cowley do as we look at the possible changes for the meeting with the leaders? What holds the key to Fratton Park's future in a week where we've seen key developments announced by the club? And is it right for the Eisners to be in the firing line of fan criticism? We're now available from wherever you download your podcast, so give us a listen Like and subscribe to get each edition downloaded to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. My name is Mark McMahon and joining me today to discuss Pompey and everything that's going on at Fratton Park at the moment is Jordan Cross and Sam Cox. Welcome guys, good to see us. Yeah, what have we got to talk about? Nothing to talk about at the moment, is there? Oh, uh, no, very little, so I don't know how we're going to get the next half hour in. Yeah, so much, so much. Where do we start? Let's start with let's start with the game on Saturday. Let's let's start with Sunderland. Jordy, we've seen many Pompey Sunderland games down through the years. They've been close affairs. Pompey have had some Fury Sunderland likewise, but you get the sense this time the tide may be a red and white tide coming to Fratton Park. Yeah, um, you can sense a trepidation amongst Pompey supporters, can't you? It, um, it's the first time in uh, the three seasons that we've been faced the three previous seasons. What is it with six league games and the two, you know, nine times with the two playoff games in the EFL trophy final? Um, they're always been closely fought affairs, um, been, uh, I guess, a, a degree of uh, contempt build, um, through. Through those games, dissipated a bit now, isn't it? Really, kind of a, a, off the back of the sort of EFL trophy in the and the playoffs, um, and it's kind of a lot of the players that are involved in that that rivalry have departed now. Um, but yeah, Sunderland have, as I thought they would do uh, when Lee Johnson went there, um, they they've found their feet this season. Um, interesting, not so long ago that they they were the, the, yeah, the Sunderland fans were. Growing angry with, with, with their manager who's performed so well this this season, I think there was definitely a majority of uh, against him or, or, or growing angry with him. And uh, not too long ago, but I, I was the two people I've been convinced about his appointments um, has been Lee Johnson and Paul Kirk, and I, I still believe they will bring success to those clubs. Um, uh, and it's been borne out, isn't it? Fantastic starts to the season. They have been reasonably well backed in the. In the transfer market, the recruitment. Um, I, I 
value Christian Speakman very highly. Um, people I've spoken to really speak well about him and say he's a very forward uh, thinker. Um, so they just they've been wise in their appointments. They've got they've got money. They haven't blown blown everyone away. I think that that's the preserve of Ipswich, and I think we're going to spend a bit. But they're kind of in that tier below, above Pompey and below Ipswich. I would say in the spending spending leagues at the moment, um, and uh, and it's paid off. They they've recruited very well, astutely. Um, nine wins out of eleven, one draw from their, their fixtures this season. And uh, and they've had they've, they've had their lift off that um, that I think people have been expecting from Sunderland and for Pompey in recent seasons, haven't they? But um, yeah, Pompey obviously going the other way, and uh, I don't know. Perhaps it's an ideal game for Pompey given the circumstances at the moment, the struggles, the seven winless games, pressure off Pompey going in as underdogs, even being at home position they like. Um, yeah, it, it would just be like Pompey to come out and then turn around and put a performance in this weekend, given a fence stacked against them really so uh, we wait and see but um, some of the other factors whoever looking this you know building up for this weekend looks like it's going to be a, a wet and windy affair um, for the forecast that could be a factor um, could make it a lively lively occasion but we wait and see Sam we all know as football fans you should never write off anybody in a two man race but looking at Sunderland's form they're, they're in great form like I think it's 10 10 games, nine victories or something like that, their eight victories. Um, but as you say, with the front and fans behind Pompey, you know, this could be a game that, that Pompey could actually start kick starting their own season, couldn't it? Yeah, I think I think Geordie's spot on when he says, you know, it's maybe an ideal game for, for Pompey this weekend. Uh, you know, Sunderland come in off the back of a 5-0 win on Tuesday. Pompey lost, obviously, away at Burton, but the expectation is all on Sunderland this weekend. Their tabletoppers are there to be to be shot at and if the pressure's off the players might relax a little bit against Burton it was a game which people thought oh, Pompey will win this game they should win this game I think Burton at the time also had a bit of a, a bad spell and they came a little bit undone it was, it was polar opposites this weekend uh, Sunderland come in as red hot favourites they're okay they're away from home you know but they've shown that home in a way doesn't really matter they've they say got those victories 9 out of 10 like you say but you say the fans, it's going to be a full, full Fratton Park. As you said, the, the conditions may play a part. It's going to be absolutely rocking. As you say, the, the features against Sunderland in the past few weeks have always had a little bit of an edge to them. So, as you say, I think it could be the perfect game to, to be going. And if they do get a win against the tabletoppers, the, the momentum and the confidence that will bring will be better than, than uh, you know, snatching a result against the Burton, with all due respect to Burton. It'd be a, a massive coup for the club. So, yeah, you can't ever write them off. I think that's, you know, I think that's a given. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how it all pans out on, on Saturday. Yeah, you, were at, you were at Burton on Tuesday night, Sam. Danny Cowley said he spoke to the players after the final whistle, didn't want to say too much. Hmm. But he did intimate that he wanted more passing, or he wanted more energy, he wanted more penetration from the side. From your perspective, where did it go wrong at Burton? And can those issues be rectified in time for Sunderland? I think I said it earlier, I think I said it in the, earlier in the week, and Lee Brown kind of alluded to it after the game that Jimmy Ford Hasback and Burton did a number on Pompey on Tuesday. Um, they caught them a little bit cold and they caught them a little bit off guard with the way they played. Um, so going down to to Burton and and you know they weren't quite expecting them to push so highly and. and block out the avenues from the three centre-backs to, to the wing-backs. And when Pompey did have the ball, 
Burton sat a little bit deeper and, and it was, like I say, it was a little bit pedestrian. It was a little bit side to side and they were, were struggling to get the ball through sort of Curtis and Harness, which going that route, playing through those two sort of flair players brought them the success or brought them the, the better performances against Plymouth and, and Charlton. So where it went wrong on, on Tuesday, I think, was was one, Hasselbank kind of had a number over Cowley. I think for the first time we've seen it this season where he's lost the tactical battle so sort of evidently um and once again just again it was too slow as Burton were limiting the fullbacks pressing higher and getting that whip whereas against Plymouth especially against Charlton as well Romeo and and Brown did so well down the flanks but when they were limited Pompey didn't really have the the whip for the avenue and they couldn't get the ball inside to to harness and they really struggled um as you say Cowley didn't want to allude to what was said but it was evident that he was rather unhappy to put it lightly after the after the result. And I think after the game, didn't go straight down the tunnel. I think he had a, a chat with with Nicky on the pitch um, before going down, maybe letting the players stew a little bit in the in the touchline and uh, in the dressing room before he went there and made his point. So yeah, there's a lot to be left desired after that Tuesday performance. But I think you know, they've got nothing else but to back back and show something else to the, the supporters. Um, you can only imagine, you know, against uh, Cambridge, uh, a, a small section booed them off. If they're two goals, maybe three goals down at half-time, it's going to be the same. So they need to put in a performance to make sure that that doesn't happen. Jordy, who's the blame? Who do you blame for a, a performance at Burton? Do you blame the players for not showing the energy, the, the passion, the drive? Or at what point do you turn around to the manager and go, well, you're the one that's organised these lads. Yeah. Surely you should have got them up for us here. You should have got your tactics right. Yeah, I mean, they're both culpable, aren't they? Um, the, um, I, think, I think Sam's bang on. I think Danny got it wrong. And the thing about Burton... I know this season that, that it's been said that they are they have been more progressive, but anyone who saw Burton come down to Pompey last season and do another number on Pompey, incidentally, knew what they, knew, they did that day with brute force, physicality, um, forward passing, um, like direct passing, and they just got stuck into Pompey. Now, okay, they 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 might have been more progressive this season, but they weren't on Tuesday, so you should have been prepared for that for that eventuality. Um, they said, I think there was they 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 all their passes were forward, and and, and Danny Cowley backed it up with with stats, and he said they pressed with a front seven. So it wasn't. You, you, there's not. There's no great surprise in that, even if they have been have been trying to sort of develop their game. So there's that to it. Um, I think Danny has to put his hands up and and, and be culpable, and he is, and he would know that. And he, he, I think it, I don't know where the quote with where it came from, but I saw the quote saying that. He hasn't been a great manager for, for the last few games, and he'd it, it, accept that. And, and there is, but the players again. I mean, defensively, it's individual errors, so that's a concern. But it's not an all-encompassing concern because that's probably been has been a recurring theme. But the defending has been okay in places, but individual let down by individual errors rather than calamitous wholesale defending. Whereas the lack of threat going forward was was really palpable on. On Tuesday, um, one shot on target outside of the goals, one shot in general play. So, again, a, 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 a sizable, a sizable concern for me. And again, criticism from some fans, I think, has been a little unreasonable 
uh, in the in the uh, Plymouth and Charlton games um, because some people have a little bit of an issue with differentiating between performance and result. Okay, the results haven't been that it's seven winless games, but look at the, the Plymouth performance, and I don't and I don't think the people at Fratton Park had a problem with seeing what was going on there because they backed the team um, and they stayed with them to the to the 90th minute when 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 the goal came. The first half against Charlton, look at that performance. Pompey should have been out of sight. Now, they were let down by, by people missing clear chances, John Marcus missing sitters. It wasn't like that on Tuesday. So that all that potential momentum, that had been built by performances, not results, but by performances. There'd have kind of been a chink of light from those for, to then build on Tuesday and then get the result. Um, so for the, it to be such a poor performance was, was a real, real step back for, for me. And that was probably... The, the, the biggest disappointment from, from what happened at Burton, um, that the performance and the result wasn't there. Um, so now, now throwing it forward, it needs to be put right, and it's put right in a, in a, in a much more difficult scenario going into this week's game, but it's a, simply a, a task that Pompey have to rise to now. Just going back to you, Jordy, so the performances bar Burton up until that moment were decent in that three five two formation. You've spelled it out very well there. Um, the results haven't exactly gone Pompey's way, but the performances, there was room for encouragement. Where are Pompey at at the minute then? Does Danny Cowley stick to this newfound formation that he's discovered? Or does he go back to 4-4-2? Like, I'm, I'm a wee bit up in the air. What, what's the way forward then? Does he stick with his guns? And, and, and sort of hope that those individual errors will be eradicated and he can actually now settle on a formation or, or does he revert back or is he stuck in the yeah. loop? Yeah. Um, well, before this run or even at the start of the season and even going to the, the end of the transfer window, Danny Cowley wanted the flexibility to switch between 4-2-3-1 and, and, or, or a back four and a back three, put it that way. He wanted that flexibility. As we were talking about earlier on one of our earlier calls, um, Clark Robertson's injury being such a, a pivotal figure in the start of the season and defensive strength <clears throat> probably accelerated that move towards a back three. Um, so I think Daniel to do that, in uh, fact, that was out of all the options, the best one given the absence of Connor Ogilvy and Clark <clears throat> while presenting Pompey with some attacking threat. Um, it's now um, at a situation where is it about Pompey or was it about the opposition? Because Danny would, wanted that flexibility when analysing the opposition. Now, Sunderland tend to play a 4-2-3-1. Danny Cowley likes to match up. He talks about plus one on the defensive line and, and, and such like. It, it just basically it means having a, another player at the back and, and plus one on the, on the attacking line. Um, all right, so I think that probably, whether it's the right or wrong, I don't know. I think that there's a chance that Danny may, may switch formation against Sunderland just to just to match up with them and perhaps looking at Sean Williams and um, that factor, maybe that's a part of it as well. So the rights or wrongs of it would be borne out in, in the result, won't they? Um, and it's all going to be, you know, reflecting, you know, with that, with that hindsight. But with Sean Williams, he's not played centre-back for such a long time. Um, when he did, I, I'll have to check, but I think it's probably in a four. Um, so maybe is that a factor in, in being uncomfortable? About 100 games he played at MK Dons. Obviously, that was five years ago. So I think it's pro probably, there's all that into the melting pot. 
There's also the fact of the problems that Sunderland present. Um, we were talking again about the possibility of, of could you shift Lee Brown in? He's played, you know, if Conor Ogilvy doesn't make it, does that become a player that can come in and stick Rico Hackett Fairchild at wing back? That's been one of the talking points. But hold on a minute, you've got Aidan McGeady playing down the right for Sunderland. Aidan McGeady against Rico Hackett Fairchild, it's got disaster written all over it, hasn't it? So there's all this to, to be debated, and I think that's the whole crux of the issue going into the game. So, yeah, I don't know what the Pompey focus on what's best for them, or do they focus on trying to stop a, a, a Sunderland juggernaut? That's the real, real debate going into Saturday's game. Yeah, Sam, it, 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 you can't get away from it. The formation that the that Pompey have adopted in recent weeks. You know what? It, it's there's been definitely improvements there, and we've all been a wee bit slightly excited by what they can do. But it's those individual errors. Um, is that simply players not playing in positions they're accustomed to? Brian Freeman's mistakes. He's now a makeshift centre half when he's really a, a wing back. Um, what Lee Brown? Yeah, he's he's a he's a box. He's a, I was going to say box standard. Oh my god! Whoa. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That was a Freudian slip, wasn't there? <laughs> Sent left back, but is he a wing back? Um, Romeo, he made the mistake for what was it, the second goal the other night? Yeah. Are the, has Danny Kelly got the players that he would ideally want to play that formation, or does he need to go back looking again in, in January? I think what's un, undoing Pompey a little bit at the moment is the personnel that they've got to play that sort of at the back, like you say. Uh, apart from Romeo, who's probably the most suited right wing back at the club. You say Lee Brown sort of a little bit out of position, and you got Freeman, who I when I spoke to a week or so ago said he'd only played there once in his whole career at centre back, so he's still very much learning the role. Um, and then, like you said, Jordy Williams hadn't played centre back for four or five years. Yeah, rarely played there in a three. So it's it's down to one personnel issues with Ogilvy's injury, Clark Robertson's injury, and the fact that Cowley quite clearly doesn't fancy Paul Downing in a back back three, maybe not even in a back four. Um, so again, it's down to personnel, but I say the, the individual errors, look at Burton, again, you know, of all due respect to Burton, they probably won't be pushing the top two places, maybe looking for maybe a playoff place. If you give maybe not even a playoff place, if you give Sunderland half an inch on, on Saturday in terms of individual mistakes, they're going to take them and they're going to take them more often than maybe Burton did. Um, so going back to sort of the positional, yeah, the positional problems potentially that Pompey have, yeah, they they're trying to play this way, but maybe it's too early. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe this is something that Cowley wanted to and had in the back of his mind. Obviously, like you said, it's accelerated by Clark Robertson's injury. But is it the right thing to do? Uh, if you haven't got the personnel there, um, there was obviously a change needed after the the defeat at home to, to Cambridge. And as you say, we were actually excited by the the glimpses that we saw in this new this new sort of three at the back again against Charlton, especially in the first half. It worked expertly. And had they had taken the chances, they could have been two three out at half time. Um, but again, sometimes you need to, and I'm sure obviously Cowley and he said it yesterday you've got to sort of match up and, and change to what opposition you're facing. As you say, you've got a Sunderland team right hot for on top of the league and have found success in a 4-2-3-1. If you're playing a 3-5-2 or whatever the, the three at the back formation is, it might not match up and it might not be the right, the right system to go to get the right result. 
I know that you know they defend in a five if they're they're flat with the with the three at the back, and again that might serve them well. But like I alluded to earlier, if you give Sunderland half an inch or give them the mistakes they've gifted sort of Charlton, Plymouth, and and Burton on Tuesday, then then Sunderland may run right on on Saturday. Mm, yeah, the more the more I think about it, the more that four makes sense really because you said it's like four two three one. I mean as I mean Danny Kelly's very jargon jargonified if that's the right phrase with with, with his talk the way he talks about the game but even going back to I remember Harry Redknapp talking about 3-5-2s and Pompey switched to uh, famously in 2002-03 went to Crystal Palace second game 2-0 down he switched to wing backs uh, Jason Crow scored two goals Paul Merson just ran the game as a quarterback and in that way we went on the way to the title playing wing backs but even you know the obvious thing there is when you play wing backs you leave space, just look at the, put, put that three five two down on paper. It's obvious you've got space in wide areas, in the fullback areas, haven't you? <laughs> Aidan McGeady could have a field day, couldn't he? I mean, yeah. um, it, you know, the, the wingers there picking up and exploiting that space. So, mate, yeah, it points perhaps more, more to a to a four, because if you do then say five and sit in as a five, then you're conceding so much space to Sunderland to pull you apart. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just yeah, all out defence and, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the low block, um, parking the bus. I, I, I don't know, but yeah, that that would concern me. The spaces in the wide areas that some would potentially exploit uh, with, yeah. with a back three. Bear in mind, then it's been individual errors that have cost Pompey barely. I'm slightly switching the focus to the other end of the pitch. Um, the way those teams have made the most of those errors, you have to give them a lot of credit. Would you actually expect Pompey to have scored as many goals if those chan- if those chances were presented to them? Burn in mind the run of form of the forwards of, of late. I think, Burton, I think at Burton, Burton did very well to capitalise on those chances. I think if you watch the goals back, um, so the Browns passed to Williams and got intercepted, then they played it to the edge of the box and someone instinctively took the shot off and hit the net. Same again, something happened second half. Romeo lost the ball, come out to Jefferson, you an unstoppable shot into the top corner. The confidence that Pompey's attacking players have maybe don't take those shots off instinctively, or they maybe want to take another touch. I saw it with Marquis against Charlton, a striker banging confidence, probably wouldn't have even looked to take a touch. Um, great movement to, to lose his defender, but the ball came to him. And it's bounced off both legs before he's taken the shot. A striker in full confidence would probably have a go of his left foot and just tuck it into the, uh, the open net. So on the evidence that we've seen from that, I don't obviously, you know, that's been the conversation for a while about the striking position. But I think if Pompey's players had the chances that Burton created, I, I, I can't see both of them going in because they had to take their shots off instinctively. And that's what players with confidence do. At the moment, we've seen it from the evidence that in those sort of final third positions, they want to just take that extra touch to make sure that the ball will go in the net and then the chance is gone. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's a difficult one. I think if you look at the Plymouth chances, then yeah. maybe, they, maybe they're the ones that they would take because you find the players with a bit more pace, harness or a, a courtesy would have managed to get through on the halfway line and, and drove towards the, the goal and they probably would have tucked them away. But I think the ones against Burton would probably probably wouldn't have found the net but who's to say that they would or wouldn't I want to try and sit on the fence as much as possible 
Jordy, do you agree with Sam there that of those Ryan Hardy chances have a uh, that's gone oh, yeah. I mean that's the only that's the only thing I'm gonna to add to it is Ryan Hardy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there you go. That that's a striker with nine goals now this season. Um two individual mistakes, but still a lot to do, wasn't there? There's a lot to do with both mm-hmm. guys, but you didn't really doubt for a second that when he advanced through, Pompey weren't weren't getting back on him, were they? He didn't check out again. He was direct. A player yeah. with confidence, just zeroing in on goal. There was no hesitation, and it was just a um, a confident, you know, confident finish with a plum. And yeah, uh, uh, so often, often you see players when they do, they kind of hesitate or they check out, and then the moment passes, isn't it? And when players are in form, they don't even think, think about those things. It, it, it just happens sort of organically, really, and and, and that's how. How, that's the life of of, of, of the life of an attacker, as, as, as Danny Cowley says. So, look, I'm tired of talking about it, to be honest. So, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's all I'll, all I'll add to that subject. I've got about five or six questions here. I don't know what else to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell you what, then. All right, let's. If, if probably do go back to four four two three one on Saturday, like kind of kind of go back to Harness. He's been well inside out in the right. Can they go back to Curtis, who was struggling on the left up until these few games? Can they stick with with Marcus up front? Like, surely if they do go to four two three one, which we anticipate they might do, like, surely there needs to be a, a breath of fresh air in that forward department. Yeah. Back third child, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, put my detective hat on a bit and kind of picking up vibes and and bits and pieces. If they don't go to a four, um, then I think there will be a change in personnel. I don't think it's going to be a wholesale shake-up. The two you would look to would be Rico Hackett Fair. Rico Hackett, sorry. Rico Hackett now. No longer Rico Hackett Fairchild. He said he'd like to be known as Rico Hackett. So it, Rico and, and Louis, Louis Thompson. I mean, he, he, he came on and did well. And, and every time I see the, the, the bits and pieces from him again at Wimbledon in the, in the EFL Trophy, I like what I see from, from Louis. He looks, he, yeah, he looks the, the part to me. I know he's building his fitness, but he's got to be close now. Um, so within the framework of a 4-2-3-1, what I picking up again on what Danny was saying, I reckon there would be every chance that he would move Ronan inside and put Rico on the left in a 4-2-3-1. And the reason I say that, and I, I'm probably going to slightly betray a confidence here, um, but... Um, <laughs> Danny really likes the way that Rico is able to take on board instruction. He, he listens. Um, you only have to tell, tell him something once. He's an intelligent lad. So when, when you're looking at the shape of the team and what they want to do in and out of possession and, and the areas of the pitch they would like him to fill, Rico takes it on board. Ronan Curtis <laughs> perhaps struggles <laughs> to take on board that instruction quite as well. Now... We the, the, the argument's off repeated. These players are League One players. Um, they're League One players for a reason. What you do get on the other side of things from Ronan is the ability to come to something out of, out of Nout. Um, he, he's able to do that and and win a game with a moment of quality um, as he, or, or score goals from a moment of quality, as we have seen. But when you're dealing with someone, again, we're going back to McGeady down that side, um, there's going to be areas of the pitch that he needs to fill when the ball went out of possession and, and take up air positions on the pitch. I think Rico might be a bit more adept at doing that than Ronan, which leads me to 
think there might be a possibility you might just shift Ronan inside. You could almost play him as a second striker or let him do his thing up, uh, up front support Marquis. Um, and then you're going to get a bit more coming back the other way from Rico. Just a thought, maybe wrong, got no insight, but I just can see that being a possible avenue. But there's one thing that gets my goat at the minute is Ronan Curtis stepping up to take free kicks. Now, come on. I, I can't remember last time he even hit the target, let alone score from a free kick. So I'm appealing to Ronan Curtis, let Lee Brown, let Rico Hackett, let whoever take the free kicks. Your Ronaldo style run-ups and, and do not have the, the, the desired effect. Am I on my own here? Am I the only one thinking that Ronan Curtis should be taking free kicks for Palmer? I don't think his, his, his return is enough to warrant the hands on the hip, chest puffed out, <laughs> trying to get the ball to deviate, which he can do. It must, there's a reason why running running's all over free kicks, isn't there? He must, he must be delivering in training for, for that to yeah. happen. And I think it was just before, a month or two before lockdown started at Lincoln, that he did tuck away a nice free kick. Uh, but yeah, it must be, yeah. Obviously, Rico's come on first touch. Lee Brown with his, I don't know how much more mileage there is in putting free kicks <laughs> under the wall, wall now. And if, if Messi can be a draft excluder, then I expect the opposition in League One are going to suss that out and start doing likewise, or just not jumping. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hear you. I think there's, uh, right. yeah, possibilities, uh, other other options now, isn't there, on, on free kicks. So maybe yeah, he doesn't get to pull, pull rank on, 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 on his teammates with, with, with that now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a more serious note then, um, there's been a lot of stuff on Fratton Park coming out um, this week through the news. Neil Allen's been all over this, speaking to Steve Cripps um, as he um, goes through the redevelopment plans at Fratton Park. Um, I have to admit, I'm, I'm quite impressed by some of the proposals that are being announced. It looks like we're staying at Fratton Park, but it's not exactly wholesale favour for what's going on. Like There is a lot of people out there still unhappy with lipstick on a pig is one comment I've seen. Like, so yeah. is that uh, there's a there's a lot of anger out there at the moment, isn't there, for a number of subjects that the academy um, is on in the spotlight. Maybe with, with um, a little justification there. Um, the, the work on the training ground, um, Fratton Park, it all comes under the spotlight. Uh, and believe me, if things would go, if, if the start to the season had continued, there wouldn't be the anger thrown towards these subjects now. It's all driven by Pompey fans, fans in general. All We're all the same. We're governed by what happens on the pitch. If things are going well on the pitch, everything else falls into place. Always been the way. You won't be getting criticism. If things aren't going well on the pitch, then people want to pick holes and sometimes pick holes where there aren't holes to pick. Um the Eisners are facing a lot of flack at the moment. If you're going to, if you're going to throw criticism at the Eisners, I don't think you can throw criticism at them for Fratton Park. Um, Eleven and a half million pound commitment. They want to stay there. A great misnomer for me is that Fratton Park is the cheap option. I don't think Fratton Park is the cheap option. I think Fratton Park, in the in the long run, will end up being the expensive option when it comes to stadium redevelopment. I almost think it would be easier just to go to a, a, and cheaper probably to go to a new site. Uh, which is suitable for a, a stadium. Fratton Park is just a drain on, on resources, it's just to keep it keep a head, head above water. Um, so a near twelve million pound commitment now from from the Eisners to who love Fratton Park and and we all love Fratton Park. 
for the old girl, don't we? For it, um, its quaintness, its memories, and that, and and it being in a unique stadium um, in the football landscape. So, um, and I think Michael Eisen certainly been romanced by it. So he wants he wants to stay. Um, you're going to throw criticism at the eyes, and I think you know sticking with Kenny Jacket would be a, you know justifiable criticism. And investment in 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 the academy is one where there's questions to answer on that, but not not the stadium. And and we're seeing now it's been really insightful from from Neil Allen to go to Steve Cripps, and we I've been speaking to Andy Cullen about what what's been in the pipeline for the stadium for for a while. Um, and it's to be encouraged. There's a lot of work to do. Um, this is only the formative steps. But for me, the long-term future of Fratton Park hangs on one area, and that's the North Stand. Um, the North Stand in the finished article, um, where, where there can be a real base um, and real hub for, for Fratton Park in terms of generating revenue, executive boxes, um, I think it all hangs on that. I think South, the South Stand would almost become a museum, yeah. um, a, a nod to Pompey's history in the past. <clears throat> the Milton End, we know the restrictions with the Milton End and how high we can go, and it's been underlined by the excellent insight from Steve Cripps. Um, the Fratton End we can work with, um, and, it, and there's not a lot that needs to be done to Fratton, the Fratton End to make it work within the confines of a new stadium. It, it's all on what could be a, a, a massive all singing, all dancing North Stand for me. And there's a lot that needs to fall into place for that in the long term, not so much what we're being talking about here, but the bigger picture, you know, 20, 20 years down the line, um, land that needs to be acquired and people and stakeholders that we need to work with to make it work. Um, but that would be where the big investment would need to come to make Fratton Park really Pompey's home, home for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Um, we've, announced, we've found out today that Michael Eisner and Eric Eisner are going to be taking part in the Tony Goodall Fans Conference yeah. in two weeks' time. Um, do you think they needed a bit of persuasion to do that? Or would they welcome the opportunity? Bear in mind, like, a lot of the criticisms that we've sort of like touched on, we put directly to them. Like, Yeah, um, I think it's good because we don't hear... A lot from the Eisners. Um, well, again, probably another another valid criticism, isn't it? That not we we've had um, um, Mark Catlin and now Andy Cullen, who are both PR savvy to to do their talking, and that's the the avenue that they they've chosen to go down. We know how long we're talking years since Michael Eisner's spoken to to us as a news or, or the local media. A couple of years now, isn't it? At least. Um, but he, he, there has been conduits to, to, to fans through other avenues, and that's been the kind of uh, executive. Now, um, it's great that they're going to speak to the fans' conference. There's a lot of questions. Maybe maybe the timing's no surprise, given the mood around and a lot of angst, and they probably want to clarify commitments. Um, something that's on my mind at the moment, just in the next few days, or maybe when I get to write a column next week, is to go back to their speech at the Guild Hall go literally go through the speech and the pledges that have been made and see how those pledges stand up to where we are now because I think a lot of the anger at them has been on the basis of stuff that they didn't pledge they didn't pledge to spend millions of pounds to get the team into the championship and beyond they did make commitments to the, the future of the uh, academy and, our, and, and youth development so let's look at that and let's see where, where that stands but I think there's questions that need to be answered 
is, and, and I'm sure there's very savvy people on, on board with the um, Tony Goodall fans conference. Um, don't devalue or, or underestimate the intelligence of fans and what they can ask. But I would like to see um, us as the news, because we represent, we feel that we're the conduit to ask questions when they need to be asked to represent the people of Portsmouth. That's why we're here to ask those questions. So I would very much like if, if, if Michael is to speak to those fans and, if, you know, the fans groups have access to him, that's great, but not everyone's part of a fan group. You know, there's the average fan that would like these questions. And we, I feel that we represent those fans. So I would like to be able to ask those questions to Michael Eidner and Eric Isis too. So if they are going to speak to the, uh, the fans in a, in a couple of weeks, I would urge them to also speak to, um, you know, not just the news, maybe the, the local media, our friends at Solent will be asking the same things, but I would certainly like to be able to ask the, the questions on the behalf of fans that, that we feel need answers to. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, Jory, we'll wrap it up there. Um, we will be back soon, hopefully celebrating the victory against Sunderland. Until then, we'll see you all, and thank you for watching and listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for everything you need to know about Pompey.